Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. There is new seasons and God wants us to learn this lesson to fix our thoughts. There are some lessons that we learn once. We're talking about soft boundaries. And we think that uh, because there's some lessons that we learn once, we remember forever. All lessons can be like that. Any of you know how to ride a bike? Any bike riders here? Any swimmers here? Anyone who know, knows how to swim? That's, it's one of those things. Once I learned how to ride a bike... When I was a wee kid, uh, growing up in Zimbabwe, there we go, I've explained my accent for you, uh, riding around the, the streets of Zimbabwe, having a great time. I, when I turned about 15, 16, I kind of put away childish things, stopped riding the bicycle, and then when I started having my own children at 25, uh, by the time they were old enough to ride a bike, I was around 30, and they said, Dad, I want to ride a bike. Do you know how to ride a bike, Dad? Yeah, I know how to ride a bike. And they said, when? I never watched you learning how to ride a bike. Well, I learned how to ride a bike as a kid. And they said, but can you still ride a bike? I said, yeah, I could still ride a bike. So I went on Facebook Marketplace, and I bought, bought myself a mountain bike, and I went for a bike ride. I bought one for my kids as well, and we went for a bike ride. And I didn't have to learn how to ride my bike again. Amen? And if you guys experienced that? You could put it away for years, but you get it out and it's there. It's the same with swimming. Once you've been taught how to swim, you can jump in a pool. And good news, you won't drown. There are some lessons that you've learned once that your body remembers. But there are some lessons that we have to keep learning. Let me give you an example. Oh, I'm enjoying choosing people from the audience today. Anybody enjoy uh, using the gym? Put your hands up. We got a couple. Okay, we got a couple of, of gym, gym goers. I know how to pick up something with my hand. Like, no one had to teach me that I can pick up a bottle of water, no problem. And if I was to go to the gym and start using weights, as you guys would know, that muscle would start to develop. It would look great. <laughs> it would grow. I would begin to develop a strong physique. But if I stopped doing the gym, for one year, or for two years, or for three years, and then finally the sun did come out, and I went on a summer holiday, and I decided, yeah, let me get this gym body out at the beach. There would be no muscle left, would there? There is no muscle left, just, just so you know. Um, why? Because there are some things that you have to keep learning. There are some things who, by constant use, we have to continue to place and lay before us. I want to tell you this. It's the same in our walk with God. Once you are saved, you are always saved. You have been justified. You have been made right with Jesus. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. But we go through our life where we have to continue to learn lessons with God. Let me tell you a couple of the lessons that we have to always keep learning. Number one, turn off your phone in a meeting. I thought that you'd get a bigger hand than that. Come on. No embarrassment, but we'll never do that again, will we? <laughs> There's a couple of lessons we should keep learning. 
And the first one is faith. I'm always learning the muscle of faith in my walk with God. Amen? I'm, another one is trust. I'm always learning that I can trust God. Just as I think, God, I've trusted you with that. I've trusted you with the finance that you've, you've come through and you've broken through. And then there's another test around the corner. And it doesn't mean that I don't engage in what God's doing to me. I engage fully. But I realize, okay, God, because I've learned that test, what are you teaching me in this test about trust? Am I going to trust you? A big one is this. How do we fix our thoughts? There is such a battle in the world and in our lives to fix our thoughts. I, wanna, I, wanna, I was going to say this a bit later, but I want to release it right now. There was a, there's a great friend of the ministry, a preacher and a prophet called Bobby Connor. Many of you, I realize, haven't got to hear him because the, we have been growing and transitioning, and he hasn't been able to come for a number of years. So we need to get Bobby Connor here again, don't we? We need to get Bobby here if, if we can. But anyway, he's a Texan, and he's a redneck. And, and he's an anointed preacher of God. But one of the things that he would say that would always arrest my thoughts and make me realize how important it was. He said this, all of heaven and all of hell is shouting the same question to God's people. And that would make me think, all of heaven, all of hell are saying the same thing? How is that possible? How could they be saying the same thing? Surely they're, they're different. And he would say, and this is what they're shouting. Who do you think you are? All of heaven is asking, is shouting to God's people, who do you think you are? And all of hell shouts the same question, but the tone is very different. The tone is one of belittling. The tone is one to try and pull you down. The tone is one to try and stop you thinking greatly about yourself. Stop you thinking that you have actually been seated with Christ in heavenly places. And they shout, who do you think you are? The same question is so important. I want to say to you, who you fix your thoughts on is so important as we go through this life. Who you fix your thoughts on is so important as we come to enter into a new season. I want to speak to you today that there is not going to be any bit of the old season that the enemy would want to try and hinder and hold you back from and stop you from entering into the new. There's an amen on that. God wants to break you into the new. And so turn with me, could you? Let's begin to pick up the scripture for today. We're going to read from Hebrews chapter 3, the first couple of verses. Uh, it says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest, he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. I'll stop there. Let me just read that first verse again. If you've got a highlighter, if you've got a pen, if you've got a Bible, make a note of this. This is what the word says to us today. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. So why are thoughts important in our day? Why are thoughts important in our life? I've mentioned faith. I've mentioned, I've mentioned trust. And we, we talk a lot um, about the value that God has for our heart, and our hearts are so important. But why are thoughts important? And I, as I've been preparing this, I want to just say this statement. 
Thoughts are the powerful, internal, and invisible directors of the external and visible actions and behaviors. Did you get that? Thoughts are so powerful. Oh, sorry, you didn't get that. Let's try that again. Thoughts are the powerful internal and invisible directors of our external and visible behaviors and actions. Let me give you a scripture to go with that. Don't worry about trying to put this up. You can watch the live stream. 2 Corinthians 4, 18 says this. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You see, we live in a world where we have elevated what is physical, what is seen to such a high level that we can forget sometimes about the unseen. And we can live in a world where what is seen and what is physical, which has such a value, we want to see things work out in that realm, don't we? We want, to, we want to act well. We want to behave well. We want to dress well. We want to have a good job. We want to have provision. We want to have a family who behaves well. We want to have parents who treat us well, don't we? We want to have success and influence in our workplace. These are all physical things. And we, we try and we aim for the physical things without realizing that the Word of God says that what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. And as we start to fix our eyes on what is invisible, and what is internal, it actually begins to build that which is unseen. Uh, Proverbs 23.7 says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. You, you probably heard this. It's been used on movies and TV shows. It's an incredible statement, and it's so true. He was a believer. A guy called Rolf Waldo Emerson said this, Sow a thought, and you reap an action. Sow an act, and you reap a habit. Sow a habit, and you reap a character. Sow a character, and you reap a destiny. God wants us to begin to position ourselves for a new season. I want you to position yourself for a new season. And, I, and so I want to talk to you about how we're going to fix our thoughts. You see, thoughts are important because they actually create a home. Let me put it like this. Thoughts create and decorate the dwelling place for your mind. Think about that. My thoughts create and decorate the dwelling place for my mind. So I want to ask you, what's it like where you live? What's it like in your mind? What are the thoughts that you think about yourselves? Are they in line with the thoughts that God has for you? What are the thoughts that you think about yourselves? Are they living and being held on from past experiences and seasons? Because God wants to come and make his home with you. I'll tell your neighbor, God wants to come and make his home with you. God wants to come and build his house with you. You see, so often we... What's it like where you live? What's it like in there? I'm looking around. I've been to many of your houses. You have nice houses. You've, you've probably been into my office. You've been into our house, the house of God. What's it like where we live? You know, what would it be like if we, if we never straightened out the chairs? We didn't have those amazing volunteers Anna was talking about, who we applauded. We're really grateful for you, who, who made sure that um, the toilets were flushed and that fresh toilet paper was put out. 
or that the chairs were straightened and that yesterday's water bottles were removed and that, there was, that the bins were taken out. Like it, we could come in, and if it didn't look like a good place, we would feel unwelcome, wouldn't we? What's it like in the thought life of your life? And I'm not speaking this as condemnation because I'm about to start to give you some keys. I, I realize in talking with many people that most people say, but I want to change. Let me tell you, I know deep down that every one of us wants to fix our thoughts on Jesus. That's never been in question. You, and you're saying, get to the part, preacher, where we tell me how to do it. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. What's it like in your thoughts? You see, often we try and change the external, hoping that it will affect the internal. I, I um, work very different to other, other people. And I used to share an office with somebody I don't know if he's watching or like, see, okay, I'll just tell you what's happening here. I was going to use my wife as an example, <laughs> but, but she, it probably would be much wiser that I don't. <laughs> She's given me permission though, okay. We're very different. I used to share an office with someone who wasn't my wife, good, good friend, great music producer. He was so creative, but his workspace wasn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, I could look at people's desks and normally tell them what's going on in their mind, you know. He is firing on about 17 different phases and three planets at the same time. Like, he's finishing 17 songs, writing two novels, and also trying to get through the latest episode of that BBC show. Do you know what I mean? Like, just... And I like my desk really organized, really tidy. Like... There's no paper because I type everything up. It's all digital. You know, I, I like it really tidy. Some people find that so sterile. But I find that I'm trying to organize my external life because I want order in my internal life. Does that make sense? And I've tried that for many years. The only thing that gives me order internally is Jesus Christ. And so we try sometimes and order our external thinking that it's going to work its way in. But let me tell you, the kingdom of God works from the inside out. And so I'm preaching to you to fix your thoughts. If there are things that you want the order of Christ in, don't think you have to run to 17 conferences, read three self-help books and online to 17 schools. Although schools are good. Spend time with God and say, Lord, I want to fix my thoughts on Jesus today, the apostle and high priest of my confession. So we don't, we don't get to work it from the outside in. It works from the inside out. You know, that very same word that is used in Hebrews 3 that I've just talked about, fix your thoughts, it's the very same word that is used of Abraham in Romans 4 verse 19 when it says that he did not fix his thoughts on his body, considering that he was as good as dead and his wife's womb was as good as dead he did not stumble at the promises of God but he counted that God was able he counted that God was faithful to accomplish the promises that he gave to him and therefore say therefore he had a son you see Abraham had to fix the internal house of his life of his mind he, he could look at his body and think God you said that but I'm looking at the physical. This body is as good as dead. It feels a bit like me when I tried to go to the gym that one time. My body is as good as dead. But God, if you've said, then I will fix my thoughts on your promises. God, if you said, then I will fix my thoughts on what you've said. And it was credited to him as righteousness. It's the very same word. 
So God is asking us to begin to live from the inside out as we fix our thoughts. God not only wants to know what's it like where you live, God wants you to know that it's time to move house. Woo! I just realized that was quite prophetic, wasn't it? <laughs> Are you anyone here waiting for a new house? Put your hands up. Okay, cool. There's, there's a couple of hands. Put them up. I want both hands up. This is one of those strike the ground seven times. No, why did you stop there? Come on. Now, now, everyone, stretch your hands to these people. Lord Jesus, we release in the natural new houses. We release in the natural properties. Just as you've given this ministry and us personally favor with property, so I release it right now. In Jesus' name, new properties. We speak to any hindrances. We speak to any things waiting. I even see right now there are certificates and there are permits and there are written statements that have been blocking things. We release right now the word of God. Move. That it is time for something fresh. Bless your people today. Amen. Give God a hand. Give God a hand. I want to hear testimony of this, okay? This is a deal. Testimony. So God wants you to know that it's time to move house. Why am I calling you that? Because, why am I saying that? We had a little bit of a deviation there. Uh, not a deviation, a tangent into what God was doing about new houses. But the reason he said that is that word, fix your thoughts, is the very same word that is also used in Peter when he had a vision in the book of Acts. And he uh, was praying to the Lord. And God gave him a vision of a cloth coming down with all kinds of animals which previously, previously had been unclean. And the word came to him in the vision and it said, Peter, get up, kill and eat. And Peter said, uh-uh, I'm a good Jewish boy. Only kosher for me. He said, no, God. And it happened three times. Why did it happen three times? Well, we could say Peter was just not fixing his thoughts on what God had said for him. But praise God. That even if we say no sometimes, God keeps saying yes, God keeps working. But the word fix your thoughts was that vision. And so what it means is to give spiritual thought, to consider fully. I love this way, to consider fully from the top to the bottom. Even in there it implies the inside to the external, the internal to the external. See, a new season was dawning where the gospel of Jesus Christ would go to the ends of the earth. Where the gospel of Jesus Christ would reach every people group. Where the gospel of Jesus Christ would include people like me. People like many of us. Gentiles. There was now no more limitation. There was no, no more um, barrier. Because Peter fixed his thoughts. And God said the new is coming. I want you to know that as we fix our thoughts today. You can actually move house. God can reform your mind in such a a way that your thoughts now become the thoughts of Christ. It says in Corinthians, I'll give you the scripture in a minute. It says, this, this thought really makes me stop and think. But this is the word of God. It says this, but you have the mind of Christ. Wow. God wants you to move house. No more stinking thinking. No more some of these decorations and environments of our own thoughts. But we say, God, I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to move in with you. And so just, uh, I've got a bunch to teach today. Are you guys with me still? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Where do our thoughts come from then? So often we can think, that, you know, I'm talking about thoughts. We can think on an intellectual level. We can think in the plane of our brain, right? He's talking thoughts. Okay, let me engage my brain. Mm, yes, I'm with you. 
Tom, that was you this morning. He was like, I'm just going to engage my brain. Like, where are we? are we? Are the kids running around? Am I at home? I'm at church. Yes, you know, that was fantastic. The words you use were dull. You're not dull at all, Tom. You're one of the brightest sparks in my phone list. Easy. Anyway, this is not an intellectual pursuit. Okay, give Tom a clap for that. If somebody starts a clap, I'm not going to leave you hanging, all right? It's not about a, an intellectual pursuit. They actually start in our hearts. Let me read you the scripture, Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart wasn't set on him, was set on evil all the time. Every inclination of the thoughts of the heart when we start to give attention to our thoughts, what you're actually doing is you are listening to your heart. When you start to give attention to your thoughts, you are actually discovering a roadmap into your deepest parts. God is actually giving you a guide to understand the inclinations of your heart, to understand what it is that you're going through. I'll give you another scripture, 1 Chronicles 28.9. This is God talking directly to Solomon, David's son. And he said, you, my son, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. So he's, God searches our hearts to understand our thoughts. If you seek him, you will be found by him. So your thoughts are a guide, a roadmap into your hearts. Uh, and I want us to begin to take that journey. Lord, take that journey even in this season into my heart. Let my heart be soft. Let my heart be open to what it is that you're saying. Another place that our thoughts come from, they come from our environments and our influences. We can think what the world thinks. Remember? From the inside out, but, but sometimes we try and live from the outside in. You see, let me just tell you a couple of ways that the world thinks, but what God actually wants us to think. The world will say things like this, live your truth. Sounds like good advice, doesn't it? Live your truth. Live your truth. But Jesus, the word says that Jesus is truth. The world will say, you do you. God would say, obey the Lord your God. The world would say, be your authentic self. All of these, they're just one or two degrees off. Can you notice this? Let me tell you, one or two degrees off, if you go on a long journey, will leave you miles away from where you're meant to be. And so our thoughts, what I'm trying to illustrate by this, our thoughts can be influenced, and we can actually take the thoughts of the world around us and make them our own thoughts. But God says, no, in fixing your thoughts, I want you to begin to filter and realize what is from the world what is from the word? The world says this, follow your heart. I wonder sometimes if I've given some of this advice. See, God's fixing my thoughts. Follow your heart. And the word says, you need a new heart. But I'm telling you, God wants you to move house today. You have the mind of Christ. He is creating a new heart within you. The world says love is love. But God says, no, God is love. You see, there's a battle for how we fix our thoughts. There's a third thing that our thoughts can come from, and that's our experiences, the things that happen around us. We can um, create thought structures based on the, the difficulty and the things that have happened around us. Let me just talk briefly. Um, 
the scripture I've read from the book of Hebrews, it was written specifically to a group of people called Hebrews. It was written, they were probably second generation believers. So their, their parents or the generation above them were those who were alive during the time of the disciples, alive during the time of Jesus. They had become believers in Jesus Christ. They were beginning this new season. Remember, I'm talking about soft boundaries and new seasons. They were beginning a new season where the Holy Spirit was pouring out that Jesus is Lord. And they were having to fight against um, the structure of religion, pulling them back into old seasons. You know, the temple was probably still in operation during the writing of the book of Hebrews. They were probably still sacrificing offerings. And here they are, Christians who are also Hebrews, believing something else, but living in a very, very different world set. Here they are talking about, but Jesus is our sacrifice, and the priests are there, still sacrificing. There is an easy way to pull people back. If you were to ask any uh, first century Hebrew person, who was the most important person in the Bible? Do you know who they would say? Moses. Moses is the most important Bible. I could ask you, like, who is the best football player in England at the moment? You guys would have one name, you know. I could say, who was the most famous politician that we've ever had? And you guys could say certain names. I'm not going to get into this debate right now. But I'm trying to get you to think. If, and if you were to say into the first generation uh, Hebrew person, who was the most important person in the Bible? They would say Moses. Moses gave us the law. Moses showed us the way. Moses is the one who we, we read all the scriptures about. You know, Moses' name is the third most used name in the whole Bible. And here is the book of Hebrews. Christian believers standing and saying, Jesus was greater than Moses. Let me tell you, that was a revelation to the, the people. And here's why the writer in Hebrews says, in all that you're going through, in all the trial that you're going through because of what you believe, in all of the persecution that you're going through because of what you believe, in all of the hardships that you are facing because of what you're going through, your experiences, I want you to fix your thoughts on Jesus. And so it's exactly the same to us in our day. Our thoughts are defined by the situations we go through. We can go through sickness. And we can come through places where we feel, but God, you haven't healed me yet. You haven't healed me yet. And the temptation is to base our theology, our thought pattern on what we're experiencing. And I'm just looking over at Sarah. And can we give God a great big hallelujah just, just now? I'll tell you why. She has come through treatment and has been given the all clear from cancer. We rejoice with you, Sarah. She's going to tell us the testimony in a few weeks' time. Okay. Okay. But here's what happens. You can go through your pacing sickness, and your experience tells you that you're getting sicker. Your experience wants to tell you that you're getting worse, but your faith wants to tell you as you fix your thoughts on Jesus, but the Word of God says, you see, you have a choice. What do you do? Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Don't let the experiences of the world around you begin to, to, to change it. And the fourth one, the fourth thing that can try and affect and give us thoughts is the enemy. I mentioned already Bobby Connor. All of heaven and how they're shouting the same thing. Who do you think you are? Paul says this in, in uh, Philippines chapter 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable... If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
You know, the same is exactly true with the enemy. He wants to put before our eyes all the things that are the opposite to that list. What are you talking about, Ryan? Well, let's just be honest for a minute. Have you turned on the TV past, you know, forget about what time it is. There's a hundred things you could watch that aren't any of those lists. If you walk through some of the shops, there's a hundred things you could see that aren't any of those lists. You're like, Ryan, forget about that. Have you walked into my workplace? You know, let's just get real. These are places that you guys walk through the valley of the shadow of blessing. Let's just, re- let's just rephrase that. And you come into places where you have to fix your thoughts. You know, and the enemy would want nothing more than to make your mind a place where you think, I don't want to live here anymore because of the way you think about yourself. So how are we going to do this? You guys understand this. This is, this is how we, we get you. How are we going to fix our thoughts? Well, the first, there's two principles I want to give you. The first one is this. We have to understand that our thoughts permeate all of our lives. Our thoughts permeate all of our lives. What we think in here, it begins to move around every part of us. It begins to affect the way we speak, the way we behave, the way we act. The, what we think affects how we think about ourselves. It affects how we think about other people. So let me read you a scripture that will give you hope. Psalm 139. Many of you Bible, Bible people who love reading the Bible will be like, I can't wait for you to get to that scripture, Ryan. I knew you were going to use that one. Psalm 139. Here it is, verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast if is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand on a beach. I asked you if you ride, ride bicycles. I've asked you if you swim. Let me ask you another question. Anyone been to a beach? Yeah? Anyone been to a beach? Aren't they amazing? When the sun shines. (laughs) Anna was reading to me a book. um, Somebody, a scientist, it's always a scientist to do the craziest things. They took a a square foot, a cubic foot, which is about the size of a shoebox of, of sand from many beaches around the world, and they counted every single grain of sand to try and figure out. And they've how much it is. And they've said it's around 500 million grains to 1 billion grains, depending on how densely packed the sand is, how, you know, what kind of rock it's been broken down from. I'll get out of the science geekness for you now in a minute. It's around 500 million to a billion per square cubic foot. And we've, we figured that out. If there's, what, 6 billion people in the world right now, that's only like 12 cubic feet of sand in one beach for God to have thought about every single person in the world. There's more sand than that. This is where I'm going to get real with you. There's more sand than that, six cubic feet of sand, in my car after I've taken my kids to the beach. Right? Just God's thoughts are incredible. But here's the, here's the point I want to make. God permeates our lives with his thoughts if we fix, uh, fix our mind on them. We go to the beach, no matter how hard I've tried. I've tried, guys. I've, I've taken tarpaulins that I've put outside the car and got the children to shake their sh- the, the sand off, shake the sand off my shoes before I get in the car. I've, I've taken like zip-up bags so that when I'm on the beach eating my, my sandwich, I don't have crunchy sand in my teeth. I've tried everything. I've bought windbreakers. I've bought like s- special towels. I've tried everything to get the sand out of my car when I go home. Do I have an Amen. Or is it just me? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Seriously, once I came back from the beach, I took my car to uh, the car wash just here. Great guys, by the way. 
And, you know, they looked at the outside of the car. Talk about internal versus external. They looked at the outside of the car. They said, ah, oh, 20 pounds. Great, 20 pounds. I left them my car keys. I came back two hours. They were angry with me. <laughs> I'm not joking. They were angry with me. They said, do you know how much sand was in your car? And I said, yes, that's why I brought it to you. <laughs> I said, you should always open the door before you give a quote. <laughs> I did pay him extra, okay? <laughs> Well, but here's what I'm trying to say. No matter how much I try and avoid it, those grains of sand get everywhere in my life. Would you place yourself under the mind of Christ? No matter how much you try and avoid it, allow his thoughts to get everywhere. I clean my ears and there's sand in my ears. I run my hand through my hair and there's grains of sand in my hair. I empty my pockets, there's sand in my pockets. I take my shoes out, there's sand in my shoes. And here I am. Only a preacher could turn a negative and make it a positive. But amen, glory to God. That is what he does with you. He wants his thoughts to permeate every single part of your life. You might be opening your wallet. Guess what? There's sea sand in my wallet. God, would your thoughts permeate my bank account? God, would your thoughts permeate my shoes where everywhere I go, I'm walking in your thoughts? God, would your thoughts permeate my pockets that even when I put my hands to rest, I'm in your thoughts. Let them never leave me. Can you grab a hold of that this morning? Grab a hold of that. You know, I even, fortunately it wasn't these glasses, but I had a nice pair of sunglasses and I was foolish enough to wipe them on the, on, on the beach. And guess what happened? Scratched. Like, scratched. And there I am trying to drive home, and all I can see is like sea sand scratches. And I'm thinking, man, this is a bad lens. And God just told me now, tell my people to change their lenses to the lenses of my thoughts for them. Ah, I want to show the marks of Christ on my life when I look at the world around me, don't you? I want to know the thoughts of Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing. Allow his thoughts to permeate you. They are pervasive. They are saturating. They get in every nook and cranny. They get everywhere. And the second one is this. We need to understand why the writer of Hebrews was saying, fix your thoughts on Jesus. I'm going to preach about, continue preaching about Jesus in a minute. But he said, the apostle and the high priest of your faith, of your confession. Why are those two things so important? Let me tell you this. Apostle, Jesus the apostle, it means that God sent him to us. And therefore, Jesus as our apostle was God's representation to man. When I say man, I'm talking mankind. So ladies, you're involved. Women, you're involved. It was God's representation to humans. And then Jesus, our high priest. What does a high priest do? A high priest represents man back to God. So when we fix our thoughts on Jesus, we are doing two things. We are addressing correction. We need to see God clearly. We need to see God as he truly is. And we're also affecting, uh, addressing connection. You see, if I, if I said I need to go and fix the picture up in my, in my lounge, I would be putting a hook on the wall and I'd be hanging the picture. There's a connection that I make. But if I need to fix my glasses because I've scratched them up with sea sand, I need to replace them, don't I? There's corrective. So when it comes to looking at the word fix, it's both corrective and connective. We need to correct some of our thinking and we need to connect some of our thinking. And the first is that he is our apostle. And the second is he is our high priest. You see, our, um, 
These two things, what they do, they begin to create a filter through which we filter all of our thoughts. I love filters on social media. I'm sure everyone here has had experience with that. Grandchildren, friends coming and showing you like, look at my face. And you're looking at this person. You're thinking, that looks a bit like you. But how did your skin get so smooth? You know? And when did you start to grow deer ears? Like, wow, they're amazing. And, and there's like sparkles on your face. How did, where did that come from? Filters, right? And we can take a picture of ourselves. What does a filter do? It removes all the blemishes. What does a filter do? It makes us look great. It can transform our faces. It makes us look really, really presentable. Like, uh, my eyes look huge. I want you to begin to realize that when we apply, when we filter our thoughts through this, Jesus, our apostle, Jesus, our high priest, we begin to apply the Jesus filter to our lives. My favorite filter on Instagram was called Nashville. Made me look like a really good musician. But we need to apply the Jesus filter in our lives. What I think about God, does it align with what the word of God says about him? What I think about me, does it align with what Jesus says about me? There are thoughts in our lives that we need to remove. There are things in our lives that we need to begin to address. And we need to get real about it. We need to learn how to identify our thoughts. Just like God's people in Hebrews, they had to start to think differently about Moses because Jesus had to be enthroned as the highest name above every other name, as the central name above every other name, as the most important name in their culture and in what had happened in the history of mankind. Jesus had to be enthroned. So I, I want to invite you. It's time to dethrone lesser thoughts in our lives. It's time to dethrone thoughts that don't align with that Jesus filter that he is our high priest and that he is our apostle, that he was the one who came to be with us. Sometimes we can feel so unworthy. Sometimes we can feel so dirty. Sometimes we can feel like the experience of life has just left us so isolated and alone. I want you to know the first filter is that Jesus was sent to earth for you. You see, this is when it becomes surreal. He is the one we fix our thoughts on. He is the one that we filter those feelings through. Hold on. God is a God of love and he's come for me. And then we begin to filter it back. Well, how does God see me? If Jesus is my high priest, when I am represented before the Lord, he sees me under the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to be a little bit vulnerable. I want to just share a real um, example in my life of how some of these things have worked out. And um, one of those, this is quite recent for me and probably for Anna as well. But in um, May through June last year, Having been in the ministry for over 20 years, and it's been my destiny, it's been my great joy. I've, I've loved serving the house. I've loved serving the vision of Trevor and Sharon. I've loved seeing my own giftings come alive with worship and, and with the young people. And for all these different years, um, I've done so many different things in the ministry. And June last year, we were um, so privileged to become the lead pastors of the ministry. Oh, okay, that's how you guys really feel about me. I'm just going to filter that thought right now through, you know, Apostle Jesus. Thank you. you no, I'm, I'm joking. Guys, thank you. I wasn't expecting a clap, but that's amazing. But, but what I've had to do is I've had to address my thinking in a new role. 
okay? I've had to address my thinking in what I see as my duty, what I see as my responsibility, what I see as my hours in the day, what I see as, as I was able to do. And I've also had to address that role, having fantastic new team members coming along and joining us as staff. You see, I was one of those team members, and I would be the one who did everything and made everything happen. And now I'm in a place where I'm having to think differently about myself because I'm in a different position. You see, my position could be changed by, by ordination. My position could have been changed by a title. My position could have been changed even by saying, now, Ryan, it's down to you. Preach more, right? But if my thoughts didn't change, that wouldn't change anything. You guys tracking me. If my thoughts didn't change, I could be trying to function in that sphere, but still be Ryan the worship pastor. And so I've had to go, and it's, it's been challenging. To, to, to wake up in the morning and say, okay, how am I going to do this? Is this something I should still be doing? Is this a task that I need to be spending my time with? And if I do this, am I creating space for the people behind me? Because if I'm doing their job instead of my job, they're going to feel pretty terrible. But if I'm doing their job instead of my job, who's doing my job? You know, so I'm being a bit vulnerable because this has been a time of transition over the last 18 months. Jude's laughing. Okay, can I get real with him, Jude? Okay, she's so, stand up, Jude. You guys, you've seen her behind, you've seen her behind the piano. Just that one, and I want them to know who you, who you are. There you go. That's Jude. That's her face. <laughs> and I probably, Jude had to go and physically buy steel cap boots. Because I was standing all over her toes for the first six months, right? I mean, she would be doing the worship rotor, and I would, like, go online and just change it. Why? Because I used to do that. Why are you still doing that, Ryan? I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. I'm so sorry. You know, I'm getting... She, oh, she didn't say it in that tone. No, she was much more gracious than a preacher makes it sound. But, you know, th th these are real things. These are lessons. Remember the muscle at the beginning. We have to continue to grow it. These are real things that we go through. We fix our thoughts. Okay, Jesus, who, are you, who do you want me, need me to be in this season of my life? And so even as we come through the month of September, friends, family, church, people watching online, I want you to shed the old mind. I want you to dethrone thoughts that are going to hold you back. And I want you to begin to apply the Jesus filter. Oh, let me tell you, it's better than any Snapchat filter. It'll remove every blemish. It'll give you the biggest heart. It is, the, it is something that will enlarge you from the inside out. It is actually the filter of how God sees you. Lord, would you give us those thoughts? So we can't allow. We have to correct our thinking. And then we have to connect it. With Jesus. Uh, I think I'm going to need to come to an end in a minute, but it's good. I, you guys have got enough from this, haven't you? I think next week I'm going to be speaking on defeating your defaults. So good to have visitors as well. I want you to bring people, bring your friends to church, bring people who need to church to meet Jesus because Jesus is here. He is real. He's going to begin to change them. So we need to, if we're going to connect and correct our thoughts, we have to know how to identify our thoughts. So often, um, do we spend enough time thinking about our thinking? Here's a good question. Do we spend enough time thinking about our thinking? I'm so grateful for people in my life who ask me questions like, Ryan, what are you thinking? I will tell one story. Um, 
when I drive to the seaside, to the beach, it's a long way away, right? And I'm, I'm just there driving, and, and I'm very quiet, and, you know, and Anna's there talking with the kids and reading, and she says, so Ryan, what are you thinking about? Men? You could join me in this? Panic. <laughs> I don't even know if I've told you this, Anna. Like, I better think of something really clever to say. Because <laughs> I've literally been quiet for 30 minutes. And Anna wants to know what I've been thinking about. The truth is nothing. <laughs> and I, I, this happened once. I look outside quickly and there's a mushroom on the side of the road. I'm like, mushrooms? <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so embarrassing. Anna's like, mushrooms? I'm like, yeah, we had them for breakfast. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's better just to be real. Um, why don't you help me with my thoughts? So what I'm trying to illustrate is, do we know how to identify our thoughts? So often, we might be too busy. There's distractions. That's a big key point as well. Filter the distractions in your life through the Jesus filter. Is it important to Jesus in this moment right now? No. Let it go. Let it be at the side of the road with the mushrooms. But sometimes it's hard to identify. Remember, where do your thoughts come from? They come from your heart. As you begin to identify your thoughts, you're actually understanding what's going on in your heart. And sometimes there's thoughts that we feel we find too painful that we don't even want to think about them. We don't even want to go there. But I'm encouraging you, start to identify your thoughts. The Bible tells us to catch a thought. I'm going to end with this scripture. I keep saying I'm going to end. This will be it, okay? Hold me to it. Uh, here it is. Let me, let me pull this scripture up. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have power to demolish strongholds. Here it is, verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ, and we take captive every to the, to the power of Jesus Christ. We cannot take captive our thoughts if we cannot identify our thoughts. Learn to begin to identify them and then begin to filter them through the Jesus filter and begin to say, Jesus, I want your thoughts in my life. Okay, as I mentioned, we're going to end. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to release a prayer. Who wants Jesus to move in this morning? Who wants a new mind? Who wants to fix your thoughts on his goodness for the season ahead? I've just got a real simple piece of paper with the scripture at the bottom. I invite every one of you to come and grab one. I'm going to pray while Jude's going to just play some music, some worship in the background, because worship is what a powerful way to fix our thoughts. The word of God, what a powerful way to fix our thoughts. I want you to take one. We're going to sit down and just take five minutes. We've got enough time. Take five minutes and write down one thing that you are going to begin to think about differently in your life. I could preach all of this. Remember I said at the beginning, I want to make it practical. I could preach all of this and you've laughed. You've, you've, uh, whatever's quicker. Yeah, go for it. You've laughed. We've had fun. We've heard the word of God. The Holy Spirit is moving. But I want to equip you to begin to change in this next season. So as we step in to this new life, listen, don't feel you have to use the piece of paper. If you're the kind of person who's making notes already on your phone, make the note on your phone, but do something with it. I want this piece of paper. You need to put it somewhere visible. It might be on the dashboard of your car. It might be on the fridge. 
It might be on your, your toaster. Hey, for some of you, it might even be on the back of your toilet door. I don't know. I don't mind. But keep it fixed before you. We are going to fix our thoughts on Jesus Christ. We are going to begin to apply the Jesus filter. And so in a minute, I'm going to pray. And I want you just to spend a few minutes. And we're going to stand up. And we are going to stand on the truth that we've been declaring this morning. So Father God, would you come and speak to us? Even as I've been preaching on this, come and address right now any area of stinking thinking. Come and address any area where we need to take captive a thought about ourselves, about our situation, about the things that are happening to us, about our family, about our friends. You know it, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you search our hearts and therefore you know our thoughts. Would you come and take captive a thought this morning? And as we write it down and commit it to you, we want to apply it to you, Jesus, our great high priest and our apostle. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.